Turn your Bibles, if you will, tonight to Proverbs chapter 4. I want to look at some verses of Scripture that we've used many, many, many times. Hopefully they're marked in your Bible already. If they're not, they should be, because these are some uh, very important Scriptures, uh, particularly where it comes to the subject of healing. The Holy Ghost is saying to us in these verses of Scripture, this passage of Scripture, we're going to start reading in verse 20, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend unto my words. That means put the word of God first place. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Now, that doesn't mean keep them in front of your face That like the, the Orthodox Jews do. They've got this little box called a phylactery that they wear around their forehead, and that's supposed to fulfill the Scripture, and that's not what God's talking about at all. He's talking about see yourself with what the Bible says is yours. Even when you close your Bible and put it away, see yourself with what the Bible promises you. That's what it means. Let not the word depart from before your eyes. And then he says, keep them in the midst of your heart. In other words, don't let them get away from you. Don't, don't read them once and then forget about them. Keep them with you. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Make them a part of you. Notice verse 22. It tells you why you want to do all these things. It says, for they are life unto those that find them. So there is a search involved. They're life unto those that find them. And notice the last part of the verse, and health to all their flesh. Now, the word health is also the word medicine. In the margin of my Bible, it may be the same as yours. It is in many. It's got a little number there, and it takes you over to the margin, and it says, or medicine. Now, stop and think about what that means. God is saying that his word is medicine to your flesh. Now, what does medicine do? Medicine counteracts sickness. Medicine specifically deals with symptoms. But it counteracts, or at least it's intended to counteract sickness, to overcome sickness. It says the word of God is medicine to all your flesh. It's medicine to all your flesh. I'll remind you that in Psalm 107, verse 20, it says that he, sent, he speaking of God, he sent his word and healed them. Folks, what I want you to see tonight and what I want to talk to you about is the healing power of God in his word. Now, so often we think about the healing power of God in every other form except the word of God. We think about ministers that are anointed to heal. We think about uh, healing services or, or special atmospheres where there's a special healing presence or something like that. And all those things can be good. All those things can be operational. But the Bible says that God put first and foremost, his first and most preeminent position of authority was his word. Psalm 138 verse 2 is a verse of scripture that's almost too hard to believe. It's almost um, beyond our comprehension. It says he, speaking of God, exalted his word above his name. That means it's not about what God can do. You find people in religious circles, they'll always argue about what God can do. Can God create a rock too big for him to lift? All this kind of stuff, really stupid stuff. It's not a question of what God can do. It's a question of what his word says he will do. And that's exactly what the Bible's telling us. It says he exalted his word above his name. Think about that. That means he gave his word first place in the universe. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never fail. There is healing power in the word itself. Now, I know that sounds elementary. I know that sounds simplistic. But I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over again until it sinks in. There's healing power in the word of God. That book you're holding in your lap, when applied, has healing power in it. Now, how many Christians do you know that are looking for somebody that's got healing power? And they own the Bible. They have the Bible. They have the source of healing power with them all the time. Now, why, if that's the truth, and if that, and, and if, the, if this is really what the Bible's saying, if it means what it says, literally, then why do we see so many Christians that are sick? Because they haven't done what the Bible says about making it a part of their lives. 
They haven't attended to it. They haven't inclined their ear to it. They haven't kept it in the midst of their heart. They haven't kept the, uh, let the word not depart from before their eyes. As far as they're concerned, it is just words on a page. But the Bible says that the word of God, when it becomes alive on the inside, is full of power. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Why don't you look at that one? Hebrews chapter 4. Paul, I believe, was the writer, the author of the book of uh, Hebrews. If you've been in our Wednesday night Hebrew series, you've heard me say that once or twice, maybe. Maybe a million times. But Paul is writing something about the word, and he said, The word of God is quick and powerful. King James says quick and powerful. Other translations say it this way, full of life and power. The word of God itself is full of life and power and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, why is it sharper than any two-edged sword? What's the purpose of it being sharper than any two-edged sword? Because there is a dividing that needs to take place, and there's a dividing that only the Word of God can do. Sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit. In other words, the Word of God is the only thing that can make the separation, the division between spiritual things and natural things. And it's a discerner of the joints and the, uh, the uh, uh, what is it, joints and marrow, the intents of the heart. It goes on to say, what is it talking about? It's talking about the word of God is the only thing that can separate natural things from spiritual things. Well, what is healing power? Is it a natural thing or is it a spiritual thing? Well, if healing power comes from the earth, then it's a natural thing. But if healing power comes from heaven, then it's got to be a spiritual thing. It says the word of God itself is full of life and power. It's full of life and power. You know, we won't take time to, to, to look at all of them, but let's look at a couple of things. Look with me over to Matthew chapter 8. I want you to see what the Bible says about Jesus and his word. We think of the healing ministry of Jesus and doing signs and wonders and miracles. A lot of those signs and wonders and a lot of those healing miracles that he performed were because of the words that he spoke. We think of him laying hands on the sick, and he did. We think of him ministering in, in a variety of ways, and he did. There were different ways that Jesus ministered healings. He uh, spit on the ground and made a little mud pack and put it on a blind man's eyes. There were different ways that he operated. But one of the ways that he operated, the Bible tells us about over and over again, was simply by speaking the word. Notice it says, beginning in verse 5, it says, When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Literally, the Greek is, having come, I will heal him. Having come, I will heal him. In other words, healing is not a question if you know that Jesus has come. Because Jesus was sent to heal the sick. Having come, I will heal him. The church world is up in arms. Well, will God heal me? Well, did he come? He came for the purpose of healing the sick. Having come, I will heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof. You don't have to come to my house. Man, how many people do you know that would turn down that opportunity? He said, you don't have to come to my house, but here's the key. But speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Now, why would the guy say something like that? Why did he know? How did he know that the word of God was sufficient in and of itself to carry the healing power that he needed back to his servant, which was miles away? Think of what he passed up. He passed up the guy with the healing power just so that he would speak the word because he believed the word had healing power. Now, what caused him to believe this? Notice verse 9. He said, for I am a man under authority. So he knows authority has something to do with this, right? 
for I am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. And I say to one man, go, and he goes. And I say to a ser- another servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto him, I've not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now, what did the guy say? Most Christians read this and say, yeah, and they missed the point entirely. Jesus understood what he was saying. Jesus understood that the man got how this works. Well, what did the man understand? What can we understand from what the centurion said? He said, I understand that the spoken word carries authority to accomplish the mission. You don't have to go and check up on it yourself. So if you speak the word, that will accomplish the mission. Now, his mission is to, to receive healing on the behalf of his servant. His mission is for his servant to be healed. So he's saying, I understand how authority works because I have authority over soldiers and over my servants. I can give them commands and they will obey those commands. Just like you have authority over sickness, you give the command of healing and healing will be accomplished. You don't even have to go and watch. So where's the authority? Well, the authority was in Jesus, but how's that authority exercised? Through his word. That's why the guy said, speak the word only. I don't need you there, Jesus. All I need is your word. You can speak your word here, and it will affect a healing in my servant who's grievously tormented of the palsy. A palsy is a, is a creeping paralysis. The word spoken here will affect my servant miles and miles and miles away. How? It'd be one thing if the servant was in earshot for Jesus to say, be healed so that the sickness could obey. But this guy says physical proximity is not an issue. Doesn't matter how far away my servant is. You're the one with authority over sickness. Speak the word only. You just say the word. Because I know you have authority over sickness. That sickness will depart and healing will be accomplished no matter how far away my guy is. Folks, if that's still true, then no matter how far away Jesus is in heaven, and I don't know how far away that is, no matter how far away Jesus is in heaven, if we've got his word on healing, then sickness has to flee here now because physical proximity is not an issue. In other words, there is healing in the word. That's what it means. When it says he sent his word and healed him. You know why the Bible tells us Jesus is the word made flesh? Because he is the word come to pass. Whatever he speaks, it is God's word in action. So therefore, everything Jesus did was the word in action. Everything Jesus says is his word to us. It's the same thing. Jesus is the power of God. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the word made flesh. So the word is anointed. In other words, it's got power. In our application, what we're talking about, it has healing power. Physical proximity is not an issue, ever. Now, let's see if this holds true. Turn with me. uh, uh, Well, we're in chapter 8. Let's look a little bit further. Verse 16. It says, when the evening was come, they brought unto many that were brought unto him, many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word. How? Because his word carries power. Folks, remember. The word of God is not just what Jesus said. The word of God is the book that you're holding. And if you get those words off the page and into your heart, like Proverbs chapter 4 tells us, by attending to them, by inclining your ears unto its sayings, 
by letting them not depart from before your eyes and by keeping them in the midst of your heart, by doing those things and making them a part of your spirit and making them a part of the real you, that's when they're life. Because that's how you find them. That's when they become the health to all your flesh. Because you're applying the word of God. You're making the word of God real. You're accepting. You're taking the position of the centurion. You're saying, I understand the word of God has authority, so I'm putting it to first place in my life, and therefore it will accomplish whatever God sent it to do. The problem is not the word. The problem is not a shortage of healing power. The problem is the church isn't putting themselves in the centurion's position. How do you do that? By acting on Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. You become like the centurion by acting on Proverbs 20 and 20, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. You get the centurion's results in verse 22. Their life unto those that find them in health to all their flesh. There's healing power in his word. Not healing power in Jesus and he, and he spoke. There's healing power in the word of God. Look at chapter 9. Chapter 9, we'll start in verse 1. It says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. We know that was Caesarea. And behold, they brought unto him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, this is uh, another translation or another uh, gospel account, says this is where they tore up the roof and let him down through the, through the roof. The four guys dropped him down by ropes into the roof. When Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins are forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven, or to say, arise and walk? Now, here's the problem with the Jews. The problem that the Jews, the scribes are having, and the religious leaders that are there, other uh, gospel accounts say the scribes and the Pharisees both were there. And here's the problem they have. They know that sin is an issue because of Adam and Eve opening the door to it in the beginning. And there's nothing that forgives sins except God. They knew that even the Old Testament sacrifice didn't forgive sins. There was no such thing as forgiveness of sins under the Old Covenant. No such thing. There was a covering over of sins. Animal sacrifice was all about covering the sin for a limited period of time. That's why the Day of Atonement came every year. Because it had to be repeated year after year after year. So that the sins of Israel could be covered over. But they never were forgiven. They never were done away with. And that's what I mean by forgiven. Forgiven means erased, done away with once and for all. Sin could never be done away with until Jesus came. That was the reason that Jesus became sin. For the purpose of taking it away, not just covering it over. But the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious people, they know sin cannot be forgiven. And so when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, they're saying, whoa, hold on just a minute here. Nobody can forgive sins but God, and he doesn't. He's promised that he will someday. He's promised that a Messiah will come. He's promised that there will be a one-time sacrifice and then sin will be done away with. It won't be an issue anymore, but not in this day, not when Jesus is there. So Jesus tries to reason with them. He tries to prove who he is. He tries to convince them. He said, which is easier to say? Now, folks, this is a valid question. You need to answer this question for yourself. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say to the, to the sick, the cripple, rise up, uh, take up your bed and walk? Well, in our day, it's a lot easier to say your sins are forgiven. Because Jesus paid the price for sin, right? And we can look at somebody in the eye and say, your sins are forgiven. Jesus forgave your sin. And we have no responsibility in that whatsoever. Right? That's between them and God. It's an unseen thing. No problem. 
But Jesus is asking a real question. He said, which is easier to say? Well, as far as the scribes and the Pharisees were concerned, it was easier to heal the sick than it was to forgive sin because only God could do that, and he didn't do that under the Old Covenant. Jesus is showing them a new day is dawning. He came to bring a new day to the earth. Now, for us, it's just the other way around. For us, we accept Jesus has done away with sin. What do we do with the sick? I mean, we kind of have to stick our neck out there if we're going to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. Right? Because what if they don't? And folks, everybody thinks that. Don't think the devil just tries to hold you back from laying hands on the sick, thinking that you're the only one in the world that has the thought, well, what if they don't get better? What if they're not healed? What if they don't get well? What if, what if, everybody thinks that. Everybody thinks that. And the reality is, it's not anymore our responsibility for the well, for the sick to get well than it is for the, the, the unsaved to get saved. It's all in the work of Jesus. All we're doing is promoting or, or proclaiming What Jesus did. That's it. My responsibility is to tell you what Jesus did. It is not my responsibility for you to receive it. I want to teach you everything I can so you will. I'm going to show you everything I can from the Bible to make it easy for you to to understand so that you can receive or will receive. But whether or not you do, that's entirely up to you. Paul said to the Ephesians in uh, Acts chapter 20, the last time he met with the the leaders of the church at Ephesus, he said, my hands are clean. I taught you everything I know. I haven't kept anything back. My hands are clean. No man's blood is on my hands. What does he mean? He means I did my best. What you do with it is up to you, but I did my best. Folks, that's the only responsibility you ever have is to tell somebody what the Bible says Jesus did and then act on it. And from there, it's up to them. Totally up to them. So Jesus asked his question. He says, which is easier to say? Is it easier to tell somebody their sins are forgiven? Or to say to the sick, rise, take up your bed and walk. Well, they don't stop. He doesn't wait for the answer because he knows what their answer is. Their answer is, it's easier to say to the sick, rise, take up your bed and walk. But notice what Jesus does. He turns it around on them. He said, but that you may know. Verse 6. But that you may know. Everybody say no. Here's something they don't yet know. He says, but that you may know that the Son of Man, talking about himself, he doesn't call himself the Son of God, he doesn't call himself the Christ, he calls himself the Son of Man. Why? Because he's a man sent from God to be the sacrifice for mankind. If he's not a man, the sacrifice doesn't work. Now, if he's not God, then he's not a sinless sacrifice. So he's got to be both. But Jesus always identified himself as the son of man, except in one case when he's talking to his disciples and he calls himself the son of God several times in that passage in John's gospel. Otherwise, he calls himself 62 or 63 times throughout the four gospels, the son of man. He doesn't emphasize his deity, he emphasizes his humanity. Why? Because he's not healing because he's God. He's healing because he's a man anointed of God. And if men could be anointed in Jesus' day, then men can be anointed today with the life of God and the Spirit of God on the inside of us. How much more so would that be the case now? Well, I've got you in an amening mood, don't I? It's true, isn't it? Jesus said, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. I'm going to do something to prove to you that I've got power to forgive sins. What are you going to do, Jesus? Jesus said to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed, and go into your house. 
And he arose and departed to his house. Now, where did Jesus touch him? See, we think of the contact of Jesus' hands transmitting the power of God, Jesus being the power source, and when he touched the sick, then healing power flowed out of him and into them, and then they were healed. That's easy to conceptualize. That's easy to get the concept, because Jesus is the power source. But folks, Jesus didn't touch this guy. What did touch him? His words. Jesus said to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed and walk. And he arose and took up his bed. Now, I wonder if things have changed. I mean, after all, that was Jesus. Well, if things are the same now as they were then, then we'll know that the word of God hasn't changed. I mean, yeah, we know that the Bible says that it doesn't change. We know that the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God never changes, never fails, never never ends in any way whatsoever. But, yeah, I mean, after all, this was Jesus, you know. Who can relate to him? Well, in some ways, it's hard for our natural mind to relate to him. Yet Jesus said the work that he did, we'd do also. Well, wouldn't that include this then? He said we'd even do greater works because he went to the Father. Greater works? What in the world are greater works than what Jesus did? I don't know. I haven't gotten to the greater works yet. I'm still working on doing the same works. If I ever figure out what the greater works are, then I'll let you know. Now, I know some people spiritualize it and say, well, it's greater, it's greater work to get people saved because Jesus couldn't even get people saved in his day because he hadn't yet gone to the cross. Okay, uh, that's fine, whatever, if that's what somebody wants to believe. That's okay to, with me. I'm not going to argue about it. But a lot of those people that claim that aren't doing the same works. They're just going for the greater works of getting people saved. Now, Jesus said, you'll do the same works that I do and even greater works shall you do because I go to my Father. That's John chapter 14, verse 12. So let's do the same works, which include healing, and then whatever the greater works are, let's do those too. I'm not really worried about the greater works. I'm just doing what the Bible says to do. Maybe when I get to heaven, Jesus will say, hey, you did some of these greater works. And I'll say, really? I did? Hey, that's great. Really cool. But right now, I'm not bothered about it. I'm working on the same works. So I wonder if things have changed. I wonder if things are any different. Turn with me to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14 tells us about Paul's first missionary journey. It says they left one place because they were threatened with uh, being beaten or being stoned rather. So they fled to the cities of um, Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia and into the region that lies round about. This is verse 6, Acts chapter 14, verse 6. And verse 7 says, and there, the cities of Lystra and Derby, they preached the gospel. Folks, I want you to notice this is called the gospel. There they preached the gospel. We know the gospel is the good news. Most of the church world says the gospel is telling people that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. Well, that's good news, all right. But notice what the Bible identifies the gospel to be. There they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, verse 8, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. Now, the fact that it calls him a man means he must be in the 30-year-old category. People weren't considered to be men until, uh, in the Gentile world, they weren't considered to be men until they were in the 30s. In the Jewish world, it was once they hit the bar mitzvah age, then they became a man. That was usually 12, 14, somewhere around there. So this is Gentiles. This is a guy that's been, been sick 25, 30 years of his life, something like that. Or a cripple, rather. It says, there sat a certain man at Lystra. Impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked, the same heard Paul speak. 
Well, I wonder what Paul spoke. Well, we know he spoke words. Paul speaks words just like you speak words. So they heard words about something. Right? They heard him preach about something. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Notice that phrase. He had faith to be healed. Now, that tells us what he heard. He had to have heard something about healing if he had faith to be healed. How do we know that? Because Romans 10, verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Meaning very simply this. He can't have faith to be healed if he's been hearing about water baptism. He can't have faith to be healed if he's been hearing about Jesus forgiving sin alone. He can't have faith to be healed if he's hearing some church doctrine or anything other than healing. The fact that he has faith to be healed means he has to have heard Paul speak about healing. And verse 7 says, that's preaching the gospel. I don't know how so much of the church world ignores this. Because the majority of the church in America, at least, says the preaching of the gospel is the preaching that Jesus forgave sins. Thank God he forgave sins. Thank God Jesus became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But that's not everything that Jesus did. That's not the extent of the good news of the price that Jesus paid. The Bible says that the very same Jesus who became sin for us also became sickness for us. And with his stripes, we were healed. Paul must be telling that. Because he has faith to be healed. You want faith to be healed? Easy as pie. Hear what the Bible says about healing. You start quoting Bible scriptures on healing. And it will produce faith to be healed. The same heard Paul speak who Paul steadfastly beholding him, the crippled man, and perceiving that he, the crippled man, had faith to be healed. Paul, therefore, said, verse 10, Paul said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. What healed this man? Paul's healing touch. The special healing anointing Paul had. Maybe Paul did one of those Acts 19 handkerchief and apron things on him. No, he heard Paul speak. He heard Paul preach about healing. It produced faith in the man to be healed, and the man was healed through Paul's words. Well, Paul didn't have anything that you don't have. He may have had a different call in his life than you have, but he's got the same gospel that you have. Paul didn't have a different gospel than you or me or anything else. As a matter of fact, he wrote us to tell us what his gospel was. So when we say it was Paul's words that healed the man, what we're really saying is Paul just said what God's word says about Jesus paying the price for sickness and disease along with other things. And as a result, the man was healed. So the word hadn't changed. The same word that healed in Jesus' day healed in Paul's day. Turn back to Acts chapter 9. Let's see if Paul is a special one and he's the only one that works for. Nope. Acts chapter 9, we'll start reading in verse 32. It said, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all the quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. God sure seems to care about crippled people. 
And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Now, the, the tense on this is a really, uh, well, it's an iffy translation. It can mean one of two things. There are Bible scholars that say it means one thing. There are Bible scholars, an equal number of Bible scholars that say it means something else. From the language itself, from the original Greek language, there is no way to tell other than the context of what's being spoken. There's no way to tell if, if Peter is saying Jesus will make you well or Jesus has made you well. There's no way to tell. There is, however, one uh, comparison versus Scripture that we can use as, a, as a, uh, a hint. Hold your finger here and turn over with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. We've got kind of a quandary with Acts chapter 9 about what Peter is saying. So I prayed about it. I wanted to know. I said, Lord, it's really important to know whether he's saying Jesus will heal you or Jesus has healed you. And the Lord said, didn't you get the letter? I said, what letter, Lord? He said, Peter wrote you a letter to tell you. He did? Yeah. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. Here's Peter, same guy, using the same Greek language, same phrase. It says, who his own self, First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that you being dead, that we being dead to sins, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. That phrase, you were healed, is exactly the same phrase in Acts chapter 9, verse, what is it, verse 23, whatever it is, where it says, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. So the translators translated it by his stripes, you were healed in second, in first Peter chapter two, verse 24, because that's a reference to Isaiah 53, five, and they knew what that meant. So if we're going to be consistent, your choice. But if we're going to be consistent, we're going to have to take the same translation that we know is correct in 1 Peter 2.24 because it refers to Isaiah 53.5 and use that translation for the same phrase in in Acts chapter 9. By his stripes you were healed. Meaning it's not a future tense, it is a past tense. Verse 34, Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ healed thee or made thee whole. Arise and make thy bed, and he arose immediately. In other words, it's telling us the same thing happened as in Acts chapter 14 in the city of Lystra with that crippled guy. Peter comes to a guy and he says, Jesus has already done the work for your healing. Jesus made you whole. Jesus healed you. He does not say and is not saying Jesus will heal you if it's correct in Acts, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, which we know is right because of Isaiah 53, 5, which says it's a work that Jesus will do. Jesus was wounded for our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Well, we are points forward to the cross. Peter is looking back to the cross and say we were healed. 
by Jesus' stripes, we were healed. So the same thing he's saying in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 is what he's saying in Acts chapter 9. He's looking back at the cross and saying Jesus already did the work. And he tells him, arise. And the guy gets up. Why? Because of the knowledge of what Jesus did conveyed by words. This guy was healed by Peter's words. Why? Because it's the word of God. And the word of God carries power. You know, if you, you do any, any research, and I used to do a lot of reading along this line. I don't do so much anymore. But, um, uh, but space and, and, uh, and, and science, certain aspects of science fascinates me. Now, I get amused reading about evolution, you know, and people always trying to come up with this theory and this means that and this proves that, and, and it's always a bunch of phony baloney. But I'm amazed by the space exploration. I'm amazed by the stuff that they, that they have found by looking at the atom and, and so forth. It used to be that we thought that the atom was the smallest particle of matter. That's not true anymore. You know what they've identified the smallest particle of matter to be? The quark. What is a quark? Well, a quark is what makes up atoms and everything else. It is literally, as far as they know, as far as they've been able to identify, it is literally the building block of mankind. It's the building block of the universe. But what does that mean? We know an atom has protons and neutrons and a nucleus and, and all this kind of stuff, and it's spinning and everything's you know, spinning to keep it together and centrifugal force and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and what looks solid to us is really not solid. There's more empty space in this podium than there is solid space, even though we can hear it, even though we can feel it because of all the matter, you know, the atoms that are spinning and all that kind of stuff. But a quark is even smaller than an atom. Well, what's a quark? I mean, if something's smaller, it's got to have something, some characteristic to it. It's got to have something to it that we can identify. Well, they've been able to identify what a quark is. Do you know what a quark is? A quark is a sound particle. And here's the problem science has got. If a quark is the building block of the universe and it's sound, where did the sound come from? Sound has to have a source. Nothing in and of itself is the origin of sound. They've got a real problem with the cork. Because what they've identified is the building block of the universe. Now, here's their hope. Their hope is something smaller than a cork. Because if something's smaller than a cork, then we can get to a lower level and we don't have to say that a cork has to have an origin. That'll be a side issue because the real thing is the smallest particle. But if a quark is, and this is as far as they've been able to identify so far, at least to the reading that I've done, and it's not real recent, but, you know, within the last year, year and a half, something like that. You'd think if something had come up, we'd have heard about it. But at least within the last year or so, it's been identified that a quark is the smallest particle of, 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 that there is. It's not matter, but it's the smallest particle in, in the universe. But it's sound. And sound has to have a source. What's the origin of the sound that is the building block of the universe? The word of God. God looked into nothing and said, let there be. That's why the Bible says that God upholds everything by the word of his power. Literally, that means he keeps everything going by his word. 
Think about what that means. We know that the earth is spinning, at, what is it, a thousand miles an hour, something like that? The earth is spinning at a certain rate. And if the earth spin faster than that, we'd be spun off into the, into the universe. If it didn't spin that fast, then we would be so heavy that we'd be crushed. And that spins, the earth spins uh, to keep mankind going at a certain rate. And then the earth is going around the sun at a certain rate. And if the earth was not going at the rate that it is around the sun, then it would either burn up because it would get too close or we'd freeze because it would get too far away. I mean, there's all this layer upon layer upon layer of everything that's in motion. Everything is in motion. Matter is not still. Like I said, there is more empty space in this than there is solid space. Now, it's, it's wood. And so for us, we think that's impossible. It's solid. It's not. You think you're sitting in a chair. The fact is, there is a space between you and the chair because everything is moving. Now, you can't see it and you can't feel it. Your rear end feels like it's in the seat. But there's a space because everything is moving. What keeps everything moving? The Bible says God keeps everything moving by the word of his power. Not the power of his word. The word of his power. That means his power is his word. Not that there is power in his word. His word is his power. And we wonder how it can work when the Bible says that we were healed by the stripes of Jesus. We wonder how the word of God is going to make an effect in our lives or make a change and affect sickness in our lives. Folks, everything runs by the word of God's power. Everything. Here's one thing that I think uh, John Lake really had right. John Lake was a minister in uh, South Africa, did a fabulous work, started, what, uh, 700 churches, something like that, in the short period of time that he was down there. Many of those churches still going today. The denomination is still in effect today in South Africa. Uh, he left uh, South Africa because his, uh, his wife died and he had uh, young children. And so he came back to America and started healing rooms uh, in Spokane, Washington. And, uh, and there were over do- 500,000 documented cases of healing in Spokane, Washington in the seven or eight years uh, that he was ministering there. It was identified as the healthiest city in America. They would write up this stuff in the newspaper, on the front page of the newspaper. People would get healed, there'd be healing miracles. They'd write this stuff up in the newspaper and say, Lake does it again. I mean, there was no no hiding the, the fact, no hiding what was going on. Everybody was amazed by this. People were coming from all over the country to find out what was going on. Sick were coming into Spokane, Washington to get to the healing rooms. It was It was an amazing thing. And Lake's just preaching the word. They're having services several times a week, and they had healing rooms that were open 24 hours a day. Well, I'm sorry, they were open seven days a week. I don't know about 24 hours a day. They were open every day of the week. And here's what he'd do. He would pray for people when they'd come to services, healing services, whatever. He would pray for the sick, but then he would recommend to them that they would go to the healing rooms day after day after day. Now, folks, remember where we started in Proverbs chapter 4? My words are are life unto those that find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. If the doctor tells you to take medicine every day to get better, you're going to take medicine every day. If the doctor tells you come back tomorrow and I'll check on you again, you're going to go back tomorrow. Right? If the doctor tells you to come back every day this week so he can check on you and keep an eye on you, you're going to go back every day this week. You'll do what the doctor tells you to do. Why don't we do the same thing with the word? 
Why don't we give the word of God the same opportunities that we give the doctors? Well, that's what Lake would tell people to do. He'd say, go to the healing rooms every day. Now, here's one thing that I think some of us uh, preaching the message of faith. uh, Well, I don't want to include myself in this category because I see the difference. But some people that preach the message of faith, they say, pray one time. That's it. You're done. Well, okay, there's truth to that. The prayer of faith says it's mine. I have it now. But Lake operated on a little different level. Lake said the prayer of faith says it's mine. I have it now. But come back to the healing rooms tomorrow and we'll lay hands on you and minister life to you. Not pray for you to be healed again, but to minister life to you. And so the people would go back day after day after day, and the, the healing technicians, as they called them, would have them there. They would, they would uh, read Scripture. They would remind God of the prayer of faith that had been prayed before and what they're believing for. And then they would lay hands on them and say, Now we minister life to our brother or sister in the name of Jesus. Thank you that the life of God in me transfers into them and speeds up the healing process. So it's still in faith. It's not the prayer of faith being prayed again, but they're praying in faith and ministering life. And as a result, they had some some fantastic, fantastic healing testimonies. Fantastic healing testimonies. Because what you're doing, you're, you're doing several things. Number one, you're reminding God daily, which a lot of people don't do. But they're reminding God daily, we prayed the prayer of faith, we're expectant for the results, and we thank you for it. The second thing you're doing is you're keeping people aware of the healing power of God that's at work. And that's not something that everybody does either. And as a result, they got some tremendous results. Fantastic healing miracles. Fantastic healing miracles. Now, what are they doing? They're keeping the life of God. They're keeping the word of God, the healing power of God at work in their lives. Now, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We'll close this up uh, in, well, in a little bit. I don't know when we'll close it up. No point in me making a promise I'm not going to keep, is there? Romans chapter 8. Notice it says in verse 11, it says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. How many of you have the spirit of God in you? Now, he's not talking about if you're filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. Hopefully that's the case. But even if you're saved and not filled with the Holy Ghost, if you don't speak with other tongues, you've still got the Spirit of God in you if you're saved, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, I would encourage you to see what the Bible says about that and enter into that experience. It's one of the things that Jesus said you should do. It's something the Bible says is available to you, and it will open up your prayer life. It will enter you into a new dimension of prayer that, that you can't even imagine. It will open the Word of God to you like you've never seen it before. There's just not a downside to having more of the Holy Ghost. What can I say? There's just not a downside to that. But he's talking about the Spirit of God that comes in to us because we're saved. So he said, but if the same Spirit, the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. So not only is the Word of God the healing power of God, you've got the power source, which is the Spirit of God, in there too, doing the same thing. Why? Because the Bible says that the Word of God and the Spirit of God always agree. So the Spirit of God is the power source. He's the very essence of God speaking into existence, the universe. It says the Spirit of God moved over the face of the waters, face of the deep. So when God said, let there be, the Holy Ghost was there to bring it to pass. So not only do you have the Word of God inside of you that is the source or the healing power of God, you've got the Holy Ghost who always agrees and works with the Word, works in concert with the Word to cause this thing to accelerate. Now think of it like this. 
And I, I don't know too much about this kind of stuff, so I'm, I'm going to speak in general terms. I hope I don't say anything that's, that's out of line here. And if, if I do, then maybe some of the medical people can straighten me out on this. But I'm going to try to keep it simple. As I understand chemotherapy, it is radiation. It's an unseen power that they apply to a certain part of your body for the purpose of destroying the bad cells so that the good cells can regenerate. That's pretty much what everybody understands about chemotherapy, right? And it's the radiation. It's the unseen power of this radiation that is bombarding these cancerous cells or whatever it is that they're aiming it at so that it destroys those cells. Well, folks, you can only take radiation treatments or chemotherapy treatments for a short period of time and only in limited doses. But you've got the Holy Ghost. Who is a stronger power than radiation or chemotherapy? He's in there 24 hours a day burning out stuff that's bad. Why is this a strange thought for us? Jesus is saying you've got the, you've got the ultimate radiation on the inside of you that will quicken your mortal body. In other words, it'll drive out that which is, is diseased and it will make alive that which is dead. All because the Spirit of God's on the inside of you. Now, why is the Spirit of God on the inside of you? Very simply, you are saved by His Word. Peter tells us that. Peter says that you are saved by the incorruptible, born, born again, saved by the incorruptible seed of God's Word. The Word of God put the power source in you. Hello? Amen. Tell, me, tell me something. If these things are true, and if we make, the re- make this a reality in us, the real us, how can we possibly be sick? Do you realize that for Christians to be sick is an affront to the truth of God's Word? Now, I'm not trying to bring condemnation on anybody. I'm believing for some things myself. I'm not trying to say you've missed it, you've failed God. I, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying very simply this. If sickness is attached itself to us, that means the devil is trespassing. And Romans 8.11 says the Holy Ghost is the cop that gets rid of the trespassers. Now, you're the chief of police who has to put the cop to work. You've got to commission the Holy Ghost, who is a gentleman, He'll do the work that he's sent to do, but only at your will. You put him to work, and he'll quicken your mortal body. With the healing power of God's Word and the healing work of the Holy Ghost, how can we possibly stay sick? There's only one answer to that, folks, and that is if the Word of God is not true. Well, let's answer that up front. For me, the Word of God is true. How about you? How do we show that it's true through our lifestyle? Proverbs 4, verses 20 and 21. We attend to the words. We incline our ear to what it says. We don't let it depart from before our eyes, and we keep it in the midst of our hearts. Therefore, If the Word and the Holy Ghost do their job, then no matter where we are in the the sickness progression, 
no matter how critical we are, no matter what the doctor says, the, the, the diagnosis or the prognosis is, we are on our way out. It's not a sin to be sick. But I'm beginning to think it's one to stay sick. You know what I mean by that? And again, I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody. I'm just talking about for me. We all get attacked. Everybody has something to deal with. Some things are visible, other things are not. But everybody gets to deal with something. The devil's not going to leave you alone if you start to take a stand for sickness. Sometimes people come up to me and they're all concerned about the thing I'm believing for. Well, Pastor Mike, you know, I, I just, I've been praying for you. That's good, but, you know, dial it down a little bit. Don't be concerned about me. Look, I'm preaching that healing belongs to everybody and anybody can take hold of it by the word. You think the devil's not going to attack me? That's no big deal. We've got the word. Same word that's true for me is true for you. It'll pull us both out. Amen? How can we fail? We got the power of God's word, which is the building block of the universe. And we've got the Holy Ghost who is specifically assigned to quicken your mortal body. That's almost worth praising God over, isn't it? Well, why don't we stand up and do that? You know what I'm going to encourage you to do? If you're believing for believing God for healing, for something in your body, I'm going to encourage you to focus every day Sometime, some period of time every day. It doesn't have to be a long time, but sometime every day. I want you to give the Holy Spirit opportunity, freedom, liberty to minister supernatural healing power to you. Just like if you went to the doctor for chemotherapy treatments. Have Holy Ghost treatments every day. Holy Ghost treatments every day. Minister life to yourself. You've got the life of God on the inside of you. If it's your elbow that's hurting, then minister life to your elbow every day. Thank you, Father. We prayed the prayer of faith, but now I'm ministering life to my own body. Holy Spirit, now's the time for you to minister from within to quicken my mortal body. I don't know why, but the picture of radiation and treatments and chemotherapy kind of stuff, that just fits Romans 8.11 for me. I mean, the problem with chemotherapy and radiation is they only want it to kill the bad stuff, not the good stuff. You don't have to worry about that with the Holy Ghost. He knows the difference between the bad stuff and the good stuff. He'll quicken our mortal bodies. Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank God for his word and for the Holy Ghost. Oh, Father, thank you. It's so good to know that we've got the answer from within. Thank you, Father, that your word sustains us. Your word heals us. There is healing power in your word. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you. That your word accomplishes that which it was sent to do. Father, you said that you're not a man that you should lie. Neither the son of man that you should repent. That which you have spoken, you will make good. And you've spoken healing to us. We thank you, Lord, that we're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Even as Peter said to Aeneas, Jesus Christ healed thee. The word of God says that Jesus healed us too. We take you at your word, Father. We take you at your word. Holy Spirit, we give you free reign in course to quicken our mortal bodies, to drive out sickness and disease, 
to heal our infirmities. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father, that the Word always works. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you always do the job that you were sent to do. Therefore, we declare by faith that we're healed. We declare, according to the Word of God, we're recovering supernaturally. We declare that the Lord is raising us up. We declare that our Heavenly Father is taking sickness and disease from the midst of us. Even as your Word says, Father. We declare it to be so in Jesus' name. Oh, we bless you, Father. We thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. We worship you, Lord. We rest in you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing your job. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the Word made flesh. Hallelujah. Thank you that the Word of God is health or medicine to all our flesh. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. 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 Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. We worship you. We magnify your name. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your healing power that resides in us. Because the word is part of us, healing is ours. In Jesus' name. 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 Quickening by the Spirit of God. Quickening by the Spirit of God. There are those that are being quickened by the Spirit of God even now. A supernatural operation is taking place. A heavenly medical operation is taking place even now by the quickening power of the Holy Ghost. Quickening power. (laughs) Supernatural quickening. In Jesus' name. Burn it out, Lord. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Can I tell you news before it happens? Somebody's going to wake up tomorrow and find out the tumor's gone. Now when that happens, remember that it was a supernatural operation taking place here. Right now, as we worship the Lord. It'll be gone. In Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Ah, I heard the Holy Spirit say these words. For what do you wait for? Some would sit back and still wish that someone could lay hands on them or that someone would speak some special word over them. But what are you waiting for? The power of God is resident within you now. Accept what has been given you. Accept the healing power of the Word and the quickening power of the Holy Spirit to be sufficient to drive out sickness and disease. Accept that which has been given and walk in the fullness of the healing that Jesus purchased. That's what I heard the Holy Ghost say. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. We magnify your name. We thank you for your healing mercy. We thank you for your healing power that's at work in us through the word and by the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father, that a great work, an unseen work, but a great work is being done in us to drive out sickness and disease. Thank you, Father, that your word is true. We accept your word. Even as the centurion said, speak the word only and we'll be healed. Thank you, Father, that the word has been spoken. And therefore, healing is ours. In Jesus' precious name. Holy Spirit, we trust you to enforce that healing work by quickening our mortal bodies. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you can agree with that, say amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be healed. Amen. Just because God's word says so. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great evening. Thanks for being with us. And you're dismissed.